Remember last Sunday, I gave, yes, question in the back? Oh, you need one, okay. Yeah, if you, if you want one, just raise your hand, and they will hand it out. If you weren't here last Sunday, I gave kind of an, an overview of what to expect for the next, I don't know, I'm just, I just said a year or maybe even more than a year. Uh, as you know, we just finished the, the, the Gospel of Mark, right? Um, we finished that before summer camp, and then we went to summer camp. And then, and then after that, my family and I went on a, on a vacation in Florida, and that was really good for me because I, I was able to think about what I would want to do next after, after the Gospel of Mark. And, and I was thinking about, okay, what, what would be good for me to study? Okay, because I always think about me first when it comes to preaching and teaching. What would be good for me to study? And then secondly, what would be good for you guys, for the students to hear? Okay, and... Um, and I had a couple of options, but I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land on the book of 1 Peter. Okay, the book of 1 Peter. Because we, we, we got to know Peter in the Gospel of Mark for, you know, for, for a while. You know, he, was, he, was, he was there for, for most of the, of the story, especially, especially the end. Right? So I kind of want to pick up how he's changed uh, when he writes the, the letter of 1 Peter. Um, so... So that's what I was thinking about during vacation, and then I was thinking about, okay, First Peter, that would probably take me, I don't know how long, several months. Um, so before I do that, should I do a, 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 a topical series before First Peter? And, and, um, and same thing, okay, what, what would be good for me to study, right, for me personally? What, what specific topic would be good for my heart where I can, where I can grow or where I lack, and then, and then also would be beneficial to the students? And and uh, I, I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about discontentment, contentment, you know, envy, jealousy, kind of that, that big picture. So I came up with a title for a short series. Um, I'm calling it "Learning Contentment in a Covetous World." Learning contentment in a covetous world. So, so we're gonna do that before First Peter. Um, and then last Sunday, I, I um, Daniel Freeman asked me to teach for him. Because I asked him to teach for me, but then he asked me to teach for him. So I'm like, okay, I'll teach for you. Um, so I was thinking about, okay, I, I don't, you know, I'm not ready for the, the learning contentment in the Covetous World series yet. So what, what should I do? And I've been thinking about all these new faces, uh, all these guests and visitors, and all these new seventh graders in our midst, in our ministry. Uh, we've been meeting and welcoming. So I thought, okay, what, what would be good for all of us as a ministry and, and I was uh, reminded of James chapter 2 about favoritism. Okay, favoritism, the sin of partiality or favoritism. Every time I say favoritism or partiality or every time you read favoritism or partiality in the Bible, specifically in the book of James, they're pretty much the same thing. Okay, to favor or prefer someone or to be partial to someone over another person. So, so I, th- I thought, okay, we need that first. And then we started that last Sunday, uh, so last Sunday was part one, um, and I, we didn't finish it because we had m- a little bit more discussion when I started it, so this morning is going to be part two, but the outline is the same that I, that I gave you, and then I'll, you know, if you missed it last, who weren't here last Sunday? Okay, uh, uh, several of you, so I'll, uh, I'll, d- I'll do a, uh, a brief but thorough job of, of, 
of getting up to speed of what you missed from last Sunday from, from James, okay? So any questions so far about what kind of we're looking forward to? Again, you know, I, I, I plan on these things, but the Lord needs to, uh, you know, allow us to, to do these things. Um, so any, any questions? Any excitement? Yeah, exciting. Yeah, we're going to talk about favoritism and then coveting and contentment, and then we're going to dive into First Peter. Okay, so grab your Bible and open to James chapter 2 with me, okay? James chapter 2. And we are going to look at that passage where, J- where James talks about the issue of partiality or favoritism. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Okay, so follow as I read. So pay attention like, like I typically ask you to. Pay attention as we read through this because I have some questions um, afterwards, okay? So here's what James says. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with, with a gold ring and dress in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes... And you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in the good place. And then you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, then you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty, for judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy, and mercy triumphs over judgment." Now, I'm going to ask you guys the same questions I asked the students who were here last Sunday. So if you were here last Sunday and, and you already have the right answers written down uh, on your notes, g- give the, the, the other guys uh, a chance, okay? So here's the first question. Which of these 13 verses uh, do you think is the main verse? If you can pick one verse, okay, that captures the whole lesson of James, out of, out of all 13 verses, which one would it be and, and why do you think? It's that one. Any, any try? Want to try? Those who raised their hands earlier. Yes. Nine. Verse 9. If you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law of transgressors. You're close because why did you pick that, first of all? What word kind of grabbed your attention that you're like, ah, there you go, verse 9? 
sin. Okay, what, what is he calling sin? Partiality. Partiality. So you're good. You're, you're on, the, you're on, you're on the, the right path. But it's, it's not verse 9. Yes, in the back. Verse 1, why? Why verse 1? Yeah, so, so yeah, favoritism, partiality, same thing, right? But, but here he makes it a what? What kind of statement in verse 1? What is it? Yeah, so is that like a suggestion, a statement, a question? What kind? No, you're almost there. He's like, he's like, my brethren, hey guys, church people, I'm going to give you a kind of, uh, what kind of statement? Uh, a command. A command, right? A command. You guys see that in verse 1? Do not. Okay, is that a command? Sounds like a command, right? So you have a command right, right in the beginning of the section, and it happens to be in the first verse, and you have, you have the, the lesson that he's going to teach on, which is favoritism. So that, that is the, the verse of the whole section, okay, verse 1. Uh, My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. If you have uh, ESV, it says, my brothers, show no partiality, so the, the, the other synonym, as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Now, second question. How would you summarize James' main lesson then? If it's about partiality, favoritism, how would you kind of, you know, concisely and briefly but clearly put it all together in your own words so that you can, you can say to your siblings when you get home today, hey, we, I learned about... James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And then your sibling says, well, can you summarize that for me? What, what's the lesson? And then you, you give it. How, how would you do that? As verse 1 being your main verse, and then have, you, you, know, you, just, you, you haven't just listened to, to me read the rest of it, how would you kind of summarize the, the lesson here? Yeah, it lies. Partiality is wrong because it dishonors God. Partiality is wrong because it dishonors God. Anyone else? How would you, uh, you know, your sibling this uh, later, you know, hey, Ryan, Logan, Pookie, you know, what did you guys learn this morning? What would you say? Yes. It's not Christ-like to show favoritism. Yeah, it's not Christ-like, right? It's not it's not Christian, you can even say that, because verse 1 says, verse one says, do not hold your what? Your faith, right, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning you can't say you are a Christian and play favorites. Those things don't go together. So the command says, hey, you can't do both. You should not do both, right? If you're professing to be a Christian if you're claiming that you believe in Jesus Christ and you love him and you follow him and you worship him, yet you play favorites, especially in the church, then your faith is questionable. You, you, there, there's a chance that you're really not what you say you are, okay, if you play favorites. So here's how we uh, defined favoritism last Sunday, and it's, it's on your handout uh, to fill in the blank. Here's favoritism. Favoritism is the practice of giving unfair preferential treatment 
to one person or group at the expense of another. Okay, the practice of giving unfair preferential treatment to one person or group at the expense of another. Can you guys come up with some examples of that? How you have done it or have seen people do it? Unfair preferential treatment? Yes. A little, little louder. Sharing, sharing your snack with someone you, you, you prefer or like? at the expense of the other person who you may not like because of whatever, right? Yeah. Good, good. Anything else? Any other qu uh, examples? Yes. Picking teams for something? Picking teams for something? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, and then you like, you get the first pick, the second pick, and then it's just back and forth, yeah. right? And you're kind of sizing them up, right? Mm -hmm. by, by their looks, which is exactly what James is saying, right? Like, I don't want to pick that guy. I want to pick the other guy, yeah. right? So, yeah, in, in, in some sense, you know, if your motive is wrong, that could, uh, that could be partiality or favoritism. So, yeah, I want you guys to understand the, the, the definition here. The practice of giving unfair preferential treatment to one person over the other at, at the expense of the other person, okay? So, here in this section, 1 through 13, James is basically giving, giving us four reasons why those two things, okay? Faith, okay, which he talks about in verse 1, and favoritism, which he also mentioned in verse 1, don't go together, or I call them incompatible, okay? They don't match. They shouldn't go together. They're incompatible is the word, okay? So he's going to give us four reasons why that is, why, why, why faith and favoritism are incompatible. So we covered the, the first two last Sunday. I'll just go through them quickly for those of you who missed it. Number one, favoritism is self-centeredness. Okay, it's self-centeredness. I think I called it uh, evil last, uh, last Sunday um, from one of the verses, but, but I'm trying to simplify it a little bit, little bit more. Uh, so I, I thought I'd call it self-centeredness. Favoritism is self-centeredness. Okay, look at verse one. James says, my brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. So there gives you command, your main command, okay? Those two things should not be together, faith and favoritism. And then verse 2 starts with, with, with the word or conjunction for, okay? What, what kind of question does a for or because answer? Yeah, a why question. You guys, you guys follow that? Not a what question, but a why question. Hey, w James, why are you saying that? Why are you making a claim that you can't say you're a Christian and play favorites at the same time? Why are you giving us that command? Verse 2, 4, because so for the rest of the, 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 the section, he's going to give those reasons. For if a man comes into your assembly, so he's, give, he's giving a, um, uh, a scenario here in their church back then, okay, if a man comes into your assembly or church or, or, or service with a gold ring and dress in fine clothes, okay, so that's, you know, visitor number one or guest number one. Here's visitor number two, guest number two. And there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, okay? So I told you guys the, the story when I was in, in college at our old church, right? You guys remember uh, 
the rich, uh, the rich man to me was, uh, was my friend Brian Baldwin, Mr. Baldwin, right? He worked for J.P. Morgan Chase. He was only like 20 or 21, right? Uh, but he was pretty wealthy at that age. Uh, he was a banker. And then my other, my other, my o- the other person, I can't call him a friend because I never befriended him. And I told you guys, to my shame, I don't even rem- remember his name because I didn't even talk to him. So I just called him Ed, right? So, so Ed was the other guy, right? So my old, my old friend, Brian Baldwin, you know, he drove the Cadillac CTS, you know. I mean, he's 21, right? Uh, driving a Cadillac, you know, CTS, their, their sports car. And then he would, you know, I, I always remember he would walk out, you know, come out of his Cadillac, you know, his hair, blonde hair gelled, you know, all gelled up. And, um, you know, fancy shoes, always had the new gadgets. You know, he'd sit down. And then he'd pull out, you know, the new iPad, the newest this, the newest that. He always had the, the nicest and newest and, and coolest gadgets. So do you guys think I befriended him right away? I did. Do you, do you guys think I was partial to him, that I preferred him, and he was one of my favorites? He was, right? Now, Ed, on the, on the other hand, Ed... Um, Ed was, uh, you know, he was interesting, right? Uh, he rode his bike to church, and every time I would, you know, be driving down Indian Town Boulevard, and he's, you know, riding his bike on the sidewalk, I would go as far as I could, you know, so that, you know, so hopefully he won't notice me and, and not accuse me of not, you know, stopping or you know, offering him a ride, right? So I would even, you know, get to church, and then he gets there, and... and and he'd be like, man, you know, that was, that was a far ride. And I'm like, oh, oh, really? What, what do you mean ride? I ride my bike. Oh, you do. You know, all, you know, um, ashamed that, that, I, uh, that I knew that he rode his bike. So he rode his bike to church, you know, always wore thick glasses, always wore tucked in tie-dyed shirts. I know, th- I know for some of you that's cool, but to me it wasn't. To me it wasn't. And it seemed like it was always the same tie-dyed shirt. And it was always tucked in, cargo shorts, you know, really long, and then white high socks. So I, I still remember what, what he looked like, not because, not because I was his friend, but because I did not prefer him. I did not like him. And I, did not, I, and I, ha, and I have no reason, I have zero reason not to like him because of his character. I just did not like him because of what he looked like. Right? And, you know, he was very nerdy, always wanted to talk about science. So imagine, okay, so James says, here's a scenario, a church service, you know, you have the rich man, Mr. Baldwin, and then you have the poor man, right, Mr. Ed, and then, and then let's just, you know, let's just go back to their time, and, and then let's say I'm the guy who's playing favorites in the, in the, in the story. So it would have gone like this, right? It would have, it, it, it would have been like... Um, you know, he comes in, Mr. Brian, and then, and then uh, Ed comes in, right? And I, start, and I start looking and noticing what they look like, right? And they're very different. They look very different. And I, and I saw that, and I did notice that. Now, did you guys do that this morning? Did you see and did you notice what people were and what people looked like? Did you? Who, 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 who did that? Okay, 
Raise your hand. Everybody, all of us did that. Everybody, all of us did that, right? We all looked at the other person and we all noticed what they were wearing or what they looked like, right? Now, is that a problem, class? No, is that a sin to do that? It's not a sin to do that. That's not a problem. Now, it becomes a problem, it becomes a sin when you do what James is going to describe next. Look at verse 3, okay? You see where it says end, right? So verse 2, that's not wrong, okay? But if, if there's an end to what you're doing, and verse 3, you pay special attention. There goes partiality, there goes favoritism. To the one who is wearing the fine clothes, the Brian Baldwins of the world, and you say, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the Ed, right, of the world, the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool. So, you know, go back to the scenario. I'm the one who's playing favorites, like, right? You guys are in the church, and then Baldwin comes in, Ed comes in, and this is what you see me doing, okay? So, so to, to Brian, I say, hey, Brian Baldwin, what's up, man? You know, I give him the special handshake, right? And even, even hug him, right? We're all buddy-buddy. We're tight, right? I'm so excited to see you, Brian. I save you a seat next to me up front, right there. My, my, you'll see my Bible, and then you'll see my notebook. You know, one is for you, one is for me. So you sit up there. Okay, I'll give you a donut. And, you know, so you go there. I'll get you a donut, and then I'll, you know, bring donuts together. Yeah, so we'll just sit together up front, right? So excited that you're here. And just so you know, Brian, okay, this is kind of like on the down low. This is only for cool people like you and me and, and, you know, some of the ladies and some of the guys. But we're going to, we're going to the beach after, uh, after church today. But, you know, that's down low stuff. You don't, you know, we don't invite other people, right? And then we'll grab lunch after that, and then, you know, we'll do other things, right? And then, hey, can I, you know, can I ride in your uh, Cadillac CTS, right? And then put the top down. We're going to the beach, right? It look really cool. Can, can, we, can, we, can we do that? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Thanks for the donuts, man. So that's, that's how I approach Brian, right? And then here comes Ed, right? He comes walking in. Oh, hey, hey there, Ed. Um, yeah, you, you just, you know, make sure you uh, put your bike, you know, lock it somewhere where we can't see it. You know, it's just, you know, we don't want that inside the building. Um, and, then, and then as I place my Bible on the chair next to me for Brian, right? Um, I, would, I would make another, you know, I would save the other one also with my pen or something else, right? A piece of candy or whatever, so that, he w- so that he would think that that's also taken. This is taken, this is taken, that's also taken, and unfortunately the rest of the seats are taken, so where is, he, where is Ed going to sit? In the back, right? With, with no one. So I do that, right? Instead of offering him the, the seat, I, I make him think that it's already taken. I keep ignoring him. He keeps talking to me. You guys, have you guys met people like that? They just keep talking to you? Yeah, right? They just keep talking to you, right? What, what's the temptation? You want to ignore them, right? You want to ignore them? So I'm ignoring Ed, right? He's talking about nerdy stuff, science stuff, you know, tie-dye shirts, all those things. And I just don't want to talk about those things. And I don't even want to listen to those things, so I keep ignoring him. And then also, you know, the, the closer he, he approaches me, you know, with Brian, I'm like, hey, man, you know, do, doing the bro hugs and stuff. With, with Ed, you know, he keeps wanting to come to me, closer to me, so that he can talk to me. I just keep backing off and backing up. 
because I'm starting to feel uncomfortable that my friends are watching me and now I look uncool because I'm in front of Ed. I don't want to be seen with Ed, right? And I don't want him to know that we're going to the beach after church because if he joins the group at the beach, then that, you know, the, whole, the whole reputation is just ruined, right? So that's how I'm approaching Ed in comparison to, to Brian. So I did look and I did notice, but unfortunately, sadly, it, I, I committed the sin of partiality because of verse 3, right? I paid special close attention to Brian and gave him preferential treatment that I wasn't willing to give to Ed just because of what they look like. Okay, noth- it says nothing about their character. Okay, it's all about externals, right? Now, here's the rebuke, okay? Here's the correction, okay, verse 4. So if you guys do that like I, like I used to, Okay, and I'm still prone to do today. If you guys do that, here's the rebuke in verse 4. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judged with evil motives? That's why I'm calling this section favoritism is self centered. It's all about yourself. Okay, look at it. Here's here's the lesson here for you students. When you prefer, or favor others based on their appearance, James says that you're doing two things. Number one, you ha- you're making distinctions among yourselves. You're sizing people up just because of what they look like. Okay? You're, you're making distinctions among yourselves. You're putting people in different classes to see who can serve you better and to see who can benefit you the most. Okay, he looks like that, you know, that's the Brian Baldwin class. Okay, man, just think about how much stuff I can get out of that guy. Okay, here, here, here's the, the Ed category of people. Man, I, I don't even like that, right? Not only does he not have anything to offer me, he's actually going to drag me down, right? My reputation, what I look like to my friends, and what people think of me. That's, he's actually going to mess that up. So I'm going to give preferential treatment to, to this person instead. So James says, if you, do, if you do that, you're making distinctions among yourselves. And secondly, he said, you've also become the judge of those people, look at it, with evil motives. There goes the self-centeredness of favoritism, with evil motives. What can I get from this person? What can I get from this other person? How is this person going to affect me? Right? Favoritism, students, is so self-centered. It's all about you, not really about the other person. So that's why James says, yep, they don't go together. You can't say you're Christian and play favorites. Here's the second reason, number two. Favoritism is ungodliness. It's ungodly. It's ungodly. Self-centered and it's ungodly. Look at what James does next, he asks uh, three rhetorical questions, right? They expect uh, a yes answer. But he's doing that to teach the readers about God's character, specifically how God treats people, okay? How God treats people. James wants these people who, who are playing favorites in the church to, to be reminded how God treats people, especially the poor, 
And then he's going to use that to compare how they, they've been treating other people, how they've been treating the poor. And he's saying, hey, guys, don't, those, those two things are black and white. God treats people this way, yet you guys are treating people this way. So therefore, if this is the godly way of treating people, you're being ungodly. You're doing the opposite. Okay, look at the first question, verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? You can summarize that as, hey guys, does not God also save poor people? <laughs> the answer is, yes. That's, that's, that's a way that God honors poor people is by saving them just, just like he, he saves rich people. But look at the contrast. But you guys, okay, but you guys have dishonored the poor man. Okay, Jesus Christ died for that person. Jesus Christ forgives that person. Jesus Christ saves that person. Jesus Christ is go, has secured a place in heaven, in his kingdom, for that person, just like he's done for you. That's the way that God honors those people, yet you guys are dishonoring him. That's the first question. Look at the second question, the middle, middle of verse 6. Is not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? And the answer is yes. Back, back, then, back then in their time, the rich were persecuting the poor. And they were able to do that easily and conveni conveniently because they had the money, the power, and the influence. So they would just blame the poor for their wrongdoings. And they would sue them in courts to take advantage of them. Look at the third question, verse 7. Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? The rich in their, uh, in their time were dishonoring Jesus Christ, the person that these poor people loved, these poor people believed and worshipped. So James is saying, guys, you need to learn how God treats everybody. Everybody. Not only the rich, but the poor also because he treats them the same. And you need to learn that because that's how you need to treat other people also, especially those you do not like and do not want to be around with. God never plays favorites, and he loves all kinds of people. He provides and protects both the rich and the poor, so should you, and he's gracious and merciful and forgiving to the rich and the poor, and so should you. That's the point of that section. So students, when you treat others how God treats them, you're being godly, okay? You're being godly. But if you treat them with partiality, if you play favorites, you're being ungodly. You're not being like God to them. You're doing the opposite. Now, here's number three, okay? The third reason why faith and favoritism are incompatible, and this is where uh, part two starts, Favoritism, number three, is hypocrisy. Okay, it's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. How would you guys define hypocrisy or, or maybe describe it? Yeah. Say it again a little louder. Yeah, telling somebody not to do something while you do it yourself. Good. What else? How, how else would you describe it? A hypocrite or hypocrisy. Yes, Mr. Ray. Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
Yeah, it's to, um, it's to claim to be something when you're really not. Okay? The, li the literal wor word is actually can, can be translated as a mask wearer. Okay? It's like putting a mask on. You say you're like this when you're really like this. Okay? You don't want people to see this. Right? So you put the mask on, hoping that people around you would see this and be impressed about you and like you. Right? So that's a hypocrite. A hypocrite is a mask wearer. Okay? Just think about that. A mask wearer. If I watch you here for, yeah, I don't know, a year, I should be able to visit your home and then watch you for two hours and say, yeah, he's the same or she's the same at church and at home. You know, she or he doesn't go home and then takes, takes off his mask and, and put it and just be like, ah, oh, oh, man, I'm tired of, of just, you know, putting this mask on at church, but I kind of like it because I don't want them to know that I'm really like this. Right? That's a hypocrite. You should be, you should be the same person everywhere, in public and in private. So, favoritism is, is hypocrisy. Look, look at it here. Okay? Look at it here. Verse 8. It starts with an if. Okay? An if. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, or like, you know, if you can sum up all the commandments of God, all, all, the, all the, the, the law in, in one, what would it be? It's, it's, it, he calls it the royal law. It's this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, that's the royal law. Okay, that's the God's law summed up in, in one. Now, now what, let me ask you this. What excuses does your heart come up with when you're being accused of playing favorites? What excuses f uh, do you have in your heart when you're being accused by your friend? Hey, man, like you always, you always talk to Brian, man, and you always give him a donut and you always save him a seat. Right, and you just love riding in his sports car, going on the beach all the time. But with Ed, I don't see that. So help me out here. Are you playing favorites? Right? So what excuses would your heart come up with in that moment? Yes, Pookie. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I, I'm not... I'm not playing favorites. I'm not partial. I just, I just get along with Brian a lot better. Yes, you have, you, did you have another answer? I'm just trying to be nice. I'm just trying to be nice. Hey, man, I'm just trying to be nice to Brian. You know, he's new. Yes. I know you mentioned last week that Ed, like, rode his bicycle. So maybe something like, oh, it's just easier because it just makes more sense. Like, he can drive himself places or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ed is just, you know, a little bit harder to to serve or get along with or, or, or befriend or get to know. Yes, Mr. Ray. Who who won't notice? Well, or the other person won't notice. Oh, Ed. Yeah, Ed or Brian, like they just don't know it and I don't show them anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not harming anybody. I'm actually helpful to, to Brian and if, if somebody says, Well you're you're not being helpful to, to Ed, well it's not like I'm harming him. Yeah. Yes, Leslie. Why you don't want to yeah. talk to Ed, yeah. 
when you only talk to him for like three seconds. Yeah, exactly. That is so right. You, you, only, uh, you only talk to him for like a minute, right? You, he only, you only listen to him for two minutes, and you're already making judgment calls in his character and saying, well, he's kind of, you know, he's, he's just hard to, to talk to. He always talks about himself. He's so selfish. Whoa, really? Right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really exposing our heart, students, that, hey, they, they're not doing it, <laughs> right? So why would I do it? You know, Brian is just, you know, outgoing. He talks to everybody, you know, but Ed, you know, he, he doesn't do it. So why would I give it to him, right? So think about all, take all of those excuses. And I think, I think she said it well in, in a, you know, just, just in a, uh, in a short summary, we, 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 we excuse it by saying, I'm just being friendly. I'm just being nice. I'm actually being what? Loving. I'm sure you have thought of that too as an excuse. I'm actually being loving to Brian. You know, this is a loving thing to do. Stop accusing me of playing favorites. Right? So James says, okay, all right. I know you have excuses, and I know that you are, you are going to say that it's the loving thing to do to say to the rich man, hey, come here, sit next to me, right? So look at verse 8. We already read it. If you do that, okay, if you do that, and you have clean and clear motives of doing that, okay, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, then he says, then, okay, you're doing well. Okay, if if that's actually loving, loving that person, not loving yourself, not what you can get out of Brian, but actually, but actually loving him, not loving yourself. If you do it that way, he says, then you are being loving to your neighbor and you are doing well. Look at verse 9. Okay, another but. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So James is saying here, I believe, is that you can claim that you are being friendly and loving all you want. Okay, you can claim that all you want. Yeah, I'm actually being nice. I'm actually being friendly. I'm actually loving. You can claim that all you want, and it might even look like that on the outside. Your friends may even say, yeah, yeah, she is being friendly and being nice and being loving. So it might, it, you can claim it. It might even look that way on the outside, but James says, but if your heart on the inside still has partiality, what can I get out of this, right? How can I love myself through this person? If you still have that inside, even though it looks good on the outside, James says, you are committing sin and are convicted. Whatever you say, whatever... Whatever your friends say about you, you are in God's eyes convicted, guilty that you are still sinning because of the heart motive. Because you, you say, yeah, I'm actually being loving. Well, you still show partiality on the inside. That negates the whole thing. You're actually guilty of sinning. What is that? Hypocrisy. That's hypocritical. 
to say that, hey, I'm just being nice, I'm just being friendly, I'm actually being loving. But deep down on the inside, even though other people don't see it, but you know it in here, that you are really after your own benefit. Then James says, the Bible says you are a what, class? A hypocrite, a mask wearer. Right? A mask wearer. I don't, even, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe this happens in this room also, you know. Next Sunday, you guys are going to be all friendly to, to, to everybody, and then you go home, and you're not friendly to your sibling. That's hypocrisy. <laughs> right? You're all loving with, with one another here, and then you go home, or you go to school, and you're still, judge, you're still judgmental of people because of what they look like making judgment calls on their character when you don't even know them. That is what? Hypocrisy. You are a mask wearer and God can see through your mask even though I can't, even though we can't. And he's saying, you are committing sin. You are actually convicted. Why? Why, why is that, why is that diagnos- the diagnosis here? Why is that? Um, hypocrisy, claiming to be loving while you're still playing favorites. Look at verse 10. He gives an explanation, right? For, because, let me explain that to you. Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, okay? Whoever keeps the whole law of of God yet fails in one command, he has become, become guilty of what? Just one or all of it? All of it. All of it. Why is that? Well, it's because all of those laws, all of those commands, right, all of those things come from one person, the lawgiver, one person, same character. Look at verse 11. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, so it's from the same person, God, do not commit murder. So if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have, tra- you have become a transgressor of the law. You've disobeyed the same person. You disobeyed God. Therefore, you are guilty. You are guilty. So yes, you can't say, yeah, I'm just, you know, it's just so much easier to talk to Brian, and it's so hard to talk to Ed, you know, because Ed's just so annoying, and, you know, and you're assuming all these bad things about him when you don't even know him, right? And you start excusing it by saying, yeah, I'm actually being friendly to Brian. I'm actually being nice to Brian. I'm actually being loving to Brian. But if you do all that because you love, you love the reputation that a Brian gives to you because other people now think of you better. And you love, you know, you love that you get to play a little bit with the things of Brian and enjoy them, right? Because you know you're not allowed to have those things, or you can't afford to, those things, but you just love those things about Brian because you, you finally get to play with those things, right? And you don't want to be with Ed because, you know, he brings your reputation down, and then you start looking not so good around your friends, and he doesn't, things to, he doesn't have things to offer you that you can enjoy, and it's, and it's a lot of hard work to talk to him. It's a lot of hard work to prefer him. It's a lot of hard work to do all those things for him. If that's really what's going on here, you are a mask wearer, a hypocrite. And James says you are sinning. You are a transgressor. 
That's the lesson here. You're actually not loving other people. You're actually loving who? Yourself. That's what hypocrites do. They love themselves. Here's number four, last one. Why faith and favoritism don't go together. You know, self-centered, it's ungodly, it's hypocrisy. Number four, it's unmerciful. It's unmerciful. It's the opposite of mercy. Unmerciful. So James wraps up his teaching on favoritism with this final command. So he starts with one command in verse 1. Now he ends with another one here. He says, verse 12, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. So he's saying that as Christians, we are to act and we are to speak. In the context, we are to treat each other, right? And we, we are to talk to each other with carefulness and thoughtfulness. Okay? We are to act and so speak. We are to treat other people and we are, we are to talk to other people really with, with the carefulness and thoughtfulness. Why? Verse 13 gives us the reason. Verse 13. For because judgment will be merciless to those who has shown no mercy. Okay, if you're not careful how you treat other people, if you're not careful how you speak and how you act around other people or for other people, he says, you are showing no mercy, which is, which is, you know, I think James is saying, okay, you have favoritism right here, right? He puts favoritism right here, and then he puts um, showing no mercy right here, and then he puts an equal sign right in the middle. It says, favoritism is showing no mercy, right? How would you, how would you guys define mercy? If... If the Lord Jesus Christ has been merciful to you, right, or, or if, somebody, if somebody has shown mercy to you, what does that mean? Yeah. Giving you something you don't deserve. Yeah, giving you something that you don't deserve. What else? Yeah. Sparing us from punishment. Yeah, gi- not giving you something that you do deserve. All right, punishment. Yes, in the back. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you. What is it? Say, say the, the last statement a little louder. That's okay. Yeah. It's portrayed as a good thing? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, to, to, to be merciful um, is all those things. But here, here's what helps me um, define mercy, um, you know, Really clear and concise. Compassion in action. Okay, that's mercy. Compassion in action. Okay, have you guys, have you guys seen those com- TV commercials of poor people, right? And then there's a phone number, 1-800 number at the bottom, right? And then they're asking for your support for money, right? What do you feel inside when you watch those TV commercials? Compassion. Right, compassion. Now, do you think unbelievers feel the same thing that you're feeling watching those videos? They do. They can. Right? But you know what the difference between the two? One person goes into what? Into action. Right? You guys following me? Right? 
So favoritism, okay, listen to me, partiality, playing favorites, preferring other people just, just solely or mainly on their looks is unmerciful because that's what you're doing. You're saying, oh, poor Ed, you know, yeah, I know, I heard about him. He rides his bike to, to church. So you kind of feel sympathy a little bit, a little bit of compassion, but you don't go in action. You don't do anything about it. Yeah, there he goes again. He's riding his bike, you know, after church home. And here we are, right? We're going to the beach, right? Uh, He needs a friend. You know, he needs fellowship with other believers. That's what his need is. But then I say, I don't want to meet that need. That is showing no mercy, right? That's what you're doing when you're playing favorites. You're seeing the needs of the other people around you, and you might even have compassion for them, but if you do not, but if you do not step into action and meet those needs yourselves by sacrificing your comforts, sacrificing your things, right? Sacrificing whatever you're holding on to. If you don't do that, then you are showing no mercy. So look at verse 12. Speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty because we are going to be judged by God how we speak and how we act around people. Judgment will be merciless to those who have shown no mercy. God is going to judge you the way you have judged other people. If you have shown no mercy to other people, you saw their needs but you didn't meet it, God is going to treat you the same way. It will be merciless. So what's, what's the solution? Last line of verse 13. Here's the lesson. Okay, if you don't want to be judged by God mercilessly because you have shown no mercy to people, what's the solution? How to avoid that? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Be merciful to others. <laughs> and you don't receive God's judgment. Be merciful to others. Whether, whether it's an ed, you know, really hard for you to talk to or befriend, but you know his needs. Meet the needs. That's mercy. Compassion in action. It's to have sympathy towards someone because of their need, and you, and you actually go out of your way f- because you love that person to meet that need. That's mercy. That's how you are not judged by God. So, the back of your hand, I'll give you quick um, ways to apply this. I want you guys to be thinking about this, okay? I want you to be thinking about this in these specific applications. Number one, confess your sin of favoritism to God and repent from it. I put that as number one because I believe, um, you know, studying this passage, a lot of us, all of us are convicted in, in, in other ways, right? Confess your sin of favoritism to God and repent from it. Turn around from it, right? Leave it behind. Number two, number two, seek forgiveness from anyone you've been unmerciful to or play favorites with, okay? Seek forgiveness from anyone you've been um, unmerciful to. Sadly, uh, Ed ended up leaving the church, um, and I didn't learn this lesson before that, and I don't know where he's at. I never got his phone number. Uh, I don't remember his name, so I can't even, I can't even look him up online. Um, so I, I should have you know, sought, his, sought his forgiveness 
uh, right in the beginning. That he, has, he had needs that I wasn't willing to meet because I didn't want to, because I was playing favorites. So guys, seek forgiveness from anyone you've been unmerciful to. Just talk to that person. Hey, you always sit right there, and just so you know, I've ignored you. Hey, you always stand back there, you know, waiting for someone to talk to you. Uh, I've felt that urge to want to talk to you, but I just haven't done it. Please forgive me, right? Please forgive me. That's what you do. Number three, meet the needs of others with selfless and sacrificial love. Again, going back to mercy, right? Compassion in action. Meet the needs of others with selfless and sacrificial love. Going back to the law of liberty that, that James talks about then you are really doing well if you do that, right? If you're meeting the needs of others and it's selfless and sacrificial. Last one, number four. Build and maintain relationships devoid of favoritism. Build new ones, okay? And maintain the ones that you already have. I'm not saying get rid of your friends who are just like you, <laughs> um, you know, and just have a bunch of friends who are not like you, and, you know, that's not the point here. I want you to build new ones and maintain the old ones, relationships, friends, friendships, devoid of favoritism. Okay, welcome everybody, right? Be friends with everybody, especially in this room, right? We're going to start Wednesday nights now. We're going to start discipleship groups. Do that, you know, make this passage uh, something that you are going to apply all the time, especially when you're around your friends here at church. Build and maintain relationships devoid of favoritism, devoid of partiality. Okay? Questions before I close in prayer? Yes, Miss Mary. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, the question is how does social media um, not prevent favoritism but actually promotes it? And I believe it does promote favoritism because they now know a way to show you and send you the things that you favor, <laughs> the things that you prefer, the things that you like, right? And, and if you're not filtering those things with biblical principles or with passages like James, then, and if you are the naive in Proverbs, you know, the person who doesn't know what he doesn't know, right? He doesn't know what he doesn't know, so he has no biblical filter in his mind and his eyes. And all those things are just getting pumped into, you know, into your brain. And it's starting to affect how you approach things or, or how you approach relationships. And you do not even know it, then you're in big, big, big trouble. Right? So, my suggestion is not to get rid of your social media. My suggestion is, you know, what, what Paul told the Colossians, you know, put those things off and put on, you know, the mind of Jesus Christ. You need, you need the, the way you push those things out of your mind is to, to put God's word into your mind so that when they do come in, then you can say, oh, that's bad. You know, my feelings actually like that. You know, my eyes actually, you know, 
uh, are attracted to that, but I know that's bad. Why is that bad? Because the Bible says a Christian shouldn't like those things or prefer those things. And if I don't see, see it like that, then it's going to affect me. So make sure you're spending more time in God's truth. Make sure that God's truth is more in your mind a lot more, <laughs> a lot more than anything else like social media. Um, yeah, I, you just want to be careful. I mean, even the things that you guys post, post on social media, the things that you favor and prefer and like, right? So you kind of you be careful because that's the reputation that you're telling other people that, that yeah, hey, I'm really like this. <laughs> I really like these things. When maybe that's not your intention, but now that's your reputation in the World Wide Web, right? You don't want that. You want your reputation to be Christ-like. Okay, I'm, I'm all about what Jesus Christ wants me to do and wants me to be and how he wants me to think. So here's, here's, my, here's maybe a correction for you guys. If you guys are on social media and it has that potential to promote favoritism and you guys don't even know it, if you guys are already on social media and you guys are not talking to your parents and, and older people and wise people about it, you guys already lost the battle. No surprise there. No surprise there. Do you guys really think that a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old can have access to the World Wide Web 24-7 on his hand in the privacy of his bedroom and not fail, not be tempted? If, if that hasn't crossed your mind, you already lost the battle. Right? So... The first thing you need to do is seek, seek counsel and seek wisdom from your parents and, and, and wiser people, okay? Because the solution is, you know, get rid of everything that's, you know, electronic. That's, that's not the solution. So, yeah, good, good question. Sure. But I'm not saying that, you know, accept all the friend requests on Facebook because you don't want to show favorites. <laughs> no, that's unwise, okay? So. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this passage from James chapter 2. I know that it's exposed um, the lingering sin of favoritism on my heart you, as it reminded me of how, how bad it was uh, 15 years ago with, with, with Ed. Um, I pray, Father, that, that I'm learning and becoming more loving I'm becoming more like Christ to all people, I, and I pray the same for these students. Help us to put this into practice, um, first and foremost here at church with other students, and as we start discipleship groups in smaller contexts with girls and guys and talking about life, talking about your word, I pray that this would, would be um, on our minds, that we would, we would be um, preferring other people more important than ourselves because that's what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Um, so help us, Father, to love other people. Um, bless this day, and we look forward to communion. We look forward to, to uh, Proverbs chapter 9, and, and uh, we pray that we would be pleasing to you in Jesus' name. Amen.